in a castle. Have a chair. The castle. Okay. Perfect. But from, I'm trying to remember Borat. Yeah. Okay. Have a chair. Everyone he does the. But don't <laughs> So one of my friends actually uh, the seat where he's doing the driving instructor. The guy's like an old guy. Yeah. He actually was my friend. Was, have you a friend? I don't think. I don't think so. He um mm-hmm. he was actually his driving instructor in high school. Like he did that whole scene in Perry Hall, Maryland. Mm. That's pretty cool. I was so, talking about my connections to Borat. Right? It's not good. Not on, just not on air. <laughs> not on air. <laughs> my name is Borat. <laughs> so, how was everyone's Christmas? Here's. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we, we traveled back to California from Indy, and uh, it was our first time traveling with the eight month old. It did not go well. Uh, let me tell you four hours in an airplane, two hours in a, an airport sucks. Coming back, though, was 10 times worse. And mostly just because we had to drive three hours to the airport, you know, we get into hours, three hours to the airport. because we were staying in central California. We had to drive up to to San Francisco and, uh, needless to say the eight month old did not happen. She, uh, she was as good as you could expect an eight month old to be, but like also terrible. Hope your guys is is a little bit better. Um, it was as busy, um, didn't have to travel. So that was good. Uh, but yeah, just Christmas surrounded by two birth, three birthdays, um, and New Year's. It was just, it was nuts, but it's a good time. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad the, the chaos is over. It's the hair <laughs> of the dog for you. I figure you're just drinking the entire time. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just been a two week long. How about you, Brooks? Uh, kind of same thing. My, my family from Baltimore, uh, my mom, my dad, my brother. Uh, we did like an early Christmas and then for actual Christmas years, we just kind of hung out at the in-laws, kind of like rotted there for a couple of days. So it was nice Thanksgiving at my parents' house. So I got that side of what we've just had. Yeah. November, December. So. Yeah. And we're still trying to get him back on Thanksgiving now. So, well, good luck to you. <laughs> well, should we cheers? We should. We get back. We survived. We survived. <laughs> so I figured we'd talk about um, since the new year, everyone's kind of talking about resolutions, being a better me, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, kind of what we would do if we were starting out, trying to find our first property. Yeah. Here in the first couple months, um, I guess a little plug for Nick does a little course on the side where he helps investors do this, trying to buy a property within the first three months. Um, so this is kind of right up his alley. So um, we'll talk about that and some of the resources you need, um, some of the things that we would look for um, as far as building a team, stuff like that. So um, yeah, I'll just start off here, kind of the expertness and, and the teaching side of it. So we'll let you start Expert might be going a little far, but um, from a high level, guys, uh, I tend to see that this time of year, people are really getting into it. Like people have decided, hey, this is going to be the year where I make a difference, I make a change. 
the way that manifests for me, I don't do any real advertising or anything like that, but I do go on bigger pockets. And anytime I see anything Indianapolis related, I'm just comment and like, feel free to reach out. We'd love to spend some time with you. And dude, January has already been like three X the number of people as what I was seeing in November and December. So people, people are interested. We've all watched, you know, and we talked about it in the last episode. Everything has been off for a couple of years. I think a lot of people were on the lines because uh, there were non-contingent offers being made consistently. And now interest rates are up. So a lot of people decided that they weren't going to. I think a lot of people are finally deciding, hey, it looks like interest rates are going to drop. This might be the time to be making a move. So I think one of the um, the key things that's, um, that anybody can do when they're getting started is really define what they're called. And I think January is a really good time to, to establish what am I looking to do? There are a million ways to invest in real estate. You know, there's what you guys do. There's wholesaling. Yeah. There's buying turkeys. I, you know what? That's a really good option. It's not you know, hey, I'm going to make a ton of equity overnight, but buying a turkey property, you're going to get something that's easy, quote unquote easy. Right. Um, you know, and then there's, yeah, heavy lifting has been done. You don't have to deal with contractors. Contractors are the worst. Uh, yeah, as personally run construction company, contractors are the worst. Um, and um, then you, you potentially want to flip to kind of be much more active, but you're not going to get passive income over the long term. A lot of people want to do burr. Burr has been the sexy thing for the last, what, decade now that everybody wants to do where you buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. But I think what's really important is before you do anything else, establish what you want to do. I mean, is that generally kind of what you guys think? Or Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing is yeah, a lot of people get a lot of momentum coming coming to the new year, but if you got you got to pick one thing and stick to it. You can't do it for three months and then a lot of people get the shiny object syndrome because someone else is doing something something different and they're successful at it, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, I should shift and do that, and then they're back at square one. So I think the big thing is just picking your strategy now and saying, this is what I'm doing this year. Get really good at that, and then revisit if you want to switch up, switch up strategies next year. And it, it might take a couple of years before you get really good. It at could. Some people, some people catch on quick. Some people, it takes a long time. Um, a lot of factors go into that, but yeah. uh, just stick to one thing and just focus on that this Don't year. Jack- There's going to be other things going on, but just keep your your blinders on and look. We've gotten like two offers within like the first five days. Yeah, that had for what two months properties that were on the market with nothing not for like three months and really? then new year's and then offer yeah. offer on one offer on the other shit well one's gonna probably get accepted but the other one was it's, it's a laughable offer but it, when it's action happens actually movement yeah. um and, and going into january that always does tend to be like mid-january when they start to pick back up for the spring seasons that would be kind of expected from that perspective as well. But um, I think I think you guys kind of hit it on the head. Determine exactly what you want to do. The next that I think that everybody needs to take is to determine what good enough is a deal. Yeah. Because you know, there, there's always a better deal out there. Yeah. One, I guarantee you find a home run deal. There's a grand plan deal out there that you could potentially pass along. But you'll never do a deal. Have a very determined, hey, the deal meets this criteria. I'm flipping and I make $25,000 or you know, whatever that number is for you. Or, hey, if I, I uh, find a rental that makes $100 of cash flow, or yeah, there are a variety of different methods you can look at, uh, but determine exactly what your criteria is that if I find this, I buy it. Uh, it's going to be kind of the, the next step. What do you guys think about it? And assessing, on top of that, assessing like what's your risk outlay? 
that's back to cap, right? Do you want to put a bunch of money into this up front and try to get that money back and reinvest it like the bird? Or do you want to do a turkey where you're okay with it? Mm-hmm. Um, or do you wholesale where you kind of want to do that? Kind of, kind of the same kind of thing. I, I yeah, I was so I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of like first time flippers, some looking for their first flip property. And um, a lot of the people that have eventually done well came to me first for their first deal and said, Hey, I just want to flip a house, make enough money to pay off my expenses. And I don't even care if I make a couple of grand. I just want to do the first deal and see how the process works so we can kind of fine tune moving along. And then down the road, yeah. I mean, then this guy's flipping like three houses a month. And, um, it all started with one, but he didn't care how it went necessarily. He didn't want to lose money, but he just wanted to get the experience first, you know, tighten up the process and then get better kind and of grow. Yeah. Yeah. So then your, your first deal is always going to suck. It's always going to be one of your worst deals unless you are the luckiest son of a gun in the world. Yeah. So, I mean, that's in that scenario, it was essentially a free education. That's and yeah. So he looked at it that way and worked out. I think that's super, super smart approach. Yeah. Um, okay. So you know, we, we established, hey, this is what I want to do. This is good enough. That's the point at which I think you're qualified to begin building out. Any time before that point that you're building out your team, you're wasting their time. The people that you're dealing with, they only get paid if you do a deal. And yeah. if you don't even know like what a deal looks like to you, then you are yeah. stealing the life force from these people. You have the yeah. opportunity for them to go um, make some money. So at that point, think it's time to find whoever your deal partner is particular um that particular region that you're looking to i generally advocate and you guys can count me on this i generally advocate that when people get started they work with an agent got somebody who's fiduciary uh, when you hire an agent they must act in your best interest that doesn't mean they're always good at their job but they must in all situations as your fiduciary in all of these transactions yeah. i'm a huge advocate of when you're getting started working with somebody like that it took me probably three years, four years before I felt comfortable go work with what fiduciary as my deal finder. If a lot of people probably work a lot faster than I did, I could probably go a lot further than I did. But that was, that's a huge piece uh, for me. What do you guys think as, as wholesalers yourselves? And a lot of times those agents have deals that yeah. are, are not marketed. Yeah. So, I mean, they'll know about stuff either from us or someone else that they, that either not fit the market yet or they're in emails. So I mean, they're, they're in the know in that sense as well. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, obviously they must, they're supposed to, but yeah, legally they're, they're supposed to work in your best interest. Um, yeah, I think that's the best way to just have somebody that is supposed to have your best interest in mind. A lot of times are connected with us or they are connected. They do have, a seller that they're going to represent that maybe the seller isn't worried about getting top dollar in the market. We had some, a realtor that had same kind of situation. We ended up wholesaling a deal from a realtor that was going to put it on the market, but this seller didn't necessarily want top dollar. He was just trying to get rid of it. Didn't care. He had a set number he wanted in mind. This was the number. She knows that this is not the top of the market for, for them, and she lets them know. And I don't care. They're cash. They're ready to go. We cloned yeah. within a they have connections like that sometimes it's a home run yeah i mean i'm i've always been for um someone using an agent as their first first few deals um even as a wholesaler like you know i i i leave that door open you know if someone's 
buying a, their first property from me um, and they have an agent, I'm like, hey, bring them on. Like it doesn't, it's not going to, that doesn't mess up the deal. It doesn't mess up the numbers. Like it's just, it, it's part of real estate. It happens every day. Um, no problem with that. And then once they see that everything's kind of straightforward, um, you know, sometimes they will get to the point where they can do off market stuff and stuff with no agent. A lot of times I built a relationship with us with that connection with the owner. So yeah. in the future, they'll, yeah. they'll start pointing some of their clients part of the way, which helps both of us. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, people go, they've got their, their agent, their deal finder, whoever that's going to be. Then they need to kind of establish the rest of the team. In most situations, the way I view it is the agent is the MVP. In most situations, because in that particular market, they should have connections, especially if they're investor focused, that help fill out the rest of your team. Eventually, I think the, um, the MVP ships and we'll talk a little about that. When you're getting started, having a great agent, there's nothing quite like it. It's expensive, especially if you sell a property to have an agent, but I definitely, definitely advocate for it. Um, people you need to add to your list, I think, are insurance agent. Again, you should have potentially uh, somebody already in your network that can do that, or your agent definitely knows somebody who they can throw that out to. Um, and then the, the person who I think is actually your, um, going to be important there in, in the transaction is your lender. And there are a variety of different types of lenders out there. We generally, I think, and, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong or, or, or expand on it, we generally are advocates of working with, um, local lenders in most situations. You know, while you may live in California, you may live in New York, you've got a great lender out there. They're used to dealing with million dollar mortgages, you know, yeah. $1.5 million yeah. mortgages in a lot of situations. And you buying this rundown duplex in Indianapolis for $125,000 or whatever in the number. They're like, not going to understand it. They're, they're not going to understand it. The under, it's going to scare under. <laughs> what it's going to be a low priority because these guys get paid based on a percentage of the, the actual loan. And so do you think they're going to focus on your hundred or $1.5 you know, million dollar deal that they're working on or the 125 that you're working on? Like, yeah. It's going to yeah. be going to be a priority for them. So finding people who are local, yes, who understand underwriting, um, I think is, is key. So, I mean, do you guys have any, any thoughts on lending? Uh, obviously, there's kind of a long-term versus the short-term lending. Do you kind of dig into that a little? So, no, I know. I would agree. Um, same kind of thing, just in a lot of, there are people, I mean, there are there might be people in California or um, certain institutions from there or from the East Coast that do a lot of lending up here that do understand, I feel like for the most part, mm -hmm. to um, somebody who's understand our market, what we're doing, uh, give you a little bit of priority or under need somebody who's a little more familiar with uh, how the deal structure works out. Um, and same thing on the back end, a refi these things at some point, um, which is a whole other animal, but it's harder to get. If you're out of state, I guess it's harder to find more local lenders. A lot of them want you to live in the state, but there are, we do have some connections that, that allow for people to live out of state. The market has, yeah. market's a little bit different, but here in Indianapolis, we're not unique. There are other markets that look very similar to ours. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely the, the Midwest. And then what's also important here is understanding uh, again, it circles back to your strategy. Are you essentially looking for short-term finance? You'd be looking for short-term financing in a flip situation. You'd be looking for that in a burr situation um, where you need you know, essentially somebody to help you purchase the property, 
um, and then potentially help you with the finance on the, um, the, the actual construction side. And then you need somebody on the back end to actually help you refinance if you're going to go for the first. Understanding all those different pieces. Generally speaking, you've kind of got to go the hard money route uh, as you get started. If you're going to finance all the short term for the construction thing, there are other opportunities. There are construction loans with with local lenders in a lot of situations. But then traditional lending on the back end is generally the right approach and or DSCR lending. We can probably dig into different lending options in future episodes, particularly deep. And also, don't let yeah. don't let hard money interest rates. Oh, I use hard money on I, a daily basis. So, saying we we don't really care about the interest. It's almost think of it as you're paying the tax for to have an easier access to money. Yeah. Some of these. Yeah, it's not a long term play. It's it's short and yeah. Some yeah. of these long term or some of these uh, hard money lenders don't fluctuate anywhere from. 11 to 15 percent just to who the lender is who yeah. knows who cares like them into your numbers or you make a little less on the back end i mean in all actuality you have that loan for hopefully at the most six months to yeah. a year it's, it's going to be planning a couple hours yeah i would say when it comes to hard money though um like you're too tight Right. Uh, but as far as like getting someone like efficient at it, that's when I think the, the local lender comes into play. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Having a Just local in my experience. Reps. At least yeah. local reps. Local too. reps, at least. Yeah. Someone, because I've seen a lot of people who were just completely out of state from the, you know, the primary market and it's, it's, it's taken months to close a deal. Oh, before, yeah. Hard which money, it shouldn't. A hard money lender should take less than three weeks, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and if they're really... 10, 12 days. Yeah, some people do that quick. Um, and so, you know, really understanding that process is is going to be important. And well, I think we should dig into that in a future episode, the, yeah. the different types of lending and, yeah. and when to use them. Um, but okay, then, you know, we've got our agent, we've got our insurance, we've got our lender in that situation. Now let's talk about property management. I think everybody here in this room is an advocate of property management. And let me know if that's not the case. We all live local to our properties. I think every single one of us uh, is, is still uh, willing to pay the eight to twenty-five percent in some situations, depending on the type of property um, and the, the type of tenant that you're getting for property management. This person, in my opinion, shifts to your MVP once you've already purchased the property. Mm-hmm. This is the person who goes and finds you tenants, deals with repairs at the property, goes and collects rent, goes to to court and actually uh, evicts a tenant. Unfortunately, when that does eventually happen. So I think finding a fantastic property management is the the key to your long term success. If you're going to be holding a property, yes, yeah. the initial like purchase and rehab. Yeah. What's, okay. What do you guys think? I think um, I've seen a lot of people stop real estate investing because of those issues because mm-hmm. they either they had a property manager that just did a poor job handling those things you listed, or they had to do it themselves, right? Which um, is it's a whole, it's a, but then like everyone has other jobs and it becomes a second job. And then real estate investing is no longer fun. It's annoying. You know, you're getting gray hair over it. So no, I, I definitely agree. They become your MVP and um, that they can take all that stuff off your plate after you're done rehabbing and place a tenant, then it makes your life a lot easier. I would completely and perfectly frank. There's not a ton of great ones. I mean, like like I said, there's a whole another episode on on some horror stories from from all not only property managers but from all assets. But we'll we'll do an episode on all that. 
people like to laugh at my history. So we'll, we'll and, talk more. And we, and we have a guest that uh, Nick and him are going to get along very well. They've got similar stories that they're going to be bad to. <laughs> yeah, it might be a longer episode. <laughs> yes. I don't have a ton more to add. Got to come in. Yeah. No. So the, the one thing I'll say is a lot of people see the, like I said, 8 to, eight to 25% as a huge, and it is huge job. Plus, yeah. Buying yourself that peace of mind is 100% worth it. I unfortunately have to self-manage a couple of properties due to the way certain LLCs are set up. I have to do it myself. And I hate my life. Every time I have to deal with these, yeah. in these properties, every single time I'm like, God, I should just sell the property. You were saying, like, um, and essentially de-risk yourself to have local experts is mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't understand. So many people getting started is guys are probably all brilliant out there. They're probably all really good at what you do and probably experts at what you do. That's why you have enough capital on the side. You want to be investing in real estate. Um, and probably in a lot of cases, what at least what I've seen in a lot of cases, People devalue the local experts uh, quite a bit. They're like, hey, yeah, yeah, you might be smarter than your agent. Yeah, you might be smarter than your property manager. Having that local expertise is super, super important. Yeah, like this is not a game where you know it's a, an optimization on your computer. This is very much a people business. It's a relationship business. Understanding uh, the street by street, block by block situation is going to be super, super key to your success. Having more members of your team, huge. And not only that team that work on top of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's kind of my outline. Do you guys have any anything else that you guys would build as you're looking to get started here? Construction, obviously. Oh, yeah. would be something. Yeah, I missed that. I was waiting for you. I was waiting for you to bring that up. the obvious one for you, but like, it, it's a bad. Like, if you're not going to be flipping house. You specifically do doing first, If you're yeah. just buying it, then you're doing if you're buying turnkey, turnkey you, really you might construction services for maintenance but that but that's where probably might come in um but construction your flipping houses or the first check thing like that is gonna be huge and that's another another pain point or in a lot of markets really um one of the reasons why nick now owns a construction company is because that was brand i mean for myself all my stuff is to make construction because he kind of took care of my pain point as well probably talk on that way more than we can uh contractors suck guys um and <laughs> uh, it, i found one good one except to partner up with them um but fundamentally uh yeah there's, there's a whole lot of trust that goes into the construction industry you have to trust somebody enough to large sums of money and in a lot of cases they're going to require you to pay for all this good materials costs for costs all of them and transparently not high marketing business your contractor might be making 15, 20 percent. It's all said and done. And they don't have the margin to necessarily go for your project huge amounts of money. And so, for that reason, you have to come up with capital. And so, yeah, finding a really good investor friendly contractor is going to be super key. I think we're really good for Indianapolis, but that is the extent of what we're able to serve. I would definitely on your, uh, your, your state agent. Uh, property manager, in addition to looking up on your pocket on Google, making sure that that person actually has a little bit of a reputation. You want to go with the cheapest contractor. Like, that's a mistake a lot of people make if they try it's and It's a red flag. Oh, yeah. Um, probably handyman. They're probably not licensed. They're probably not bonded. 
Um, and in a lot of cases, they're probably not going to be there in a year. A lot of us are going to count on this person to warranty their work. Yeah. Borrow from other projects, borrow from your project. And yeah. It happens. Oh, so, uh, finding a good contractor is through the reputation game. Do not go for the cheapest necessarily. Um, go for the one who you believe is going to get you over the finish line because yeah. the cost of that interest, the cost of having things done incorrectly when you're trying to, to refinance, yeah. the cost of the, the, the appraiser walking through your property on a burr and realize that this is handyman work. What I'll tell you is a lot of these quote unquote contractors are really good at making this. Oh like yeah. They, in person, it's completely it's total crap in real yeah. life. Uh, I'm sure you have to walk through plenty oh, of those plenty. properties <laughs> where like the, the investor probably thought they did a really good job and the photo looked great. And then you're like, no, the floor, you know, the, the stuff that you can't see like from California. So finding a really good, reputable person to work that's good. If you're doing the, uh, and hold approach, uh, then lots of an issue with the turnkey approach, but it's definitely an issue long-term if you're going to be, you're going to be going the, the uh, value route. Yeah. So question, I guess, I think when a lot of us started out, uh, when we were on bigger pockets, listening to Brennan's and all of them, when they were, um, doing all their stuff, on uh, uh, a lot of them recommended these contracts that say that basically the contractors work, make sure you structure it where the contractors do the work first before you pay them. And I know that's never really been the case for me. I've never found a contractor that does it that way in a sense, or at least putting some money up front to get yes. the job started. How, yeah. how does that work yeah. on your side? I think it's an important distinction. Um, yeah, you're not probably, unless it's a very small project and this would be worked with a ton of times, you're probably not going to get into a situation with, like I was, they're running their business properly. They're making 15% all said and done, which means they can't go front 50% of your project because wow. got to, they've got to pay their team. They've got to pay $250,000 rehab. Yeah, absolutely. It's $25,000 out of pocket. Why should they finance your project on your behalf? Like that's not, that's not something that's fair to your contractor. With that in mind, the way we've structured it internally and the way I've seen good contractors work in other markets is we expect a little bit. Of, it might be 25, it might be 33%. Um, comes to the project, the bigger the project, usually the smaller percentage you're looking for. But you want a little upfront money that allows your contractor to go out there, buy some materials, put together, you know, get all the uh, permits, all that that you're going to actually want for that project. Um, but then my expectation from that point is that the contractor, you know, if you pay 25%, they should get to near that 50% mark before they ask for another draw. Like, yeah, they need that little bit of paper materials, but at that point, then they should get to that 50% mark. And at that point, they should be working for their next paycheck, not their last paycheck. So they paid 25 up front, pay the next 25 at 50% mark. The next 25, 5% mark, you close out that project, percent um, and, and adjust that for thirds and all of that. But that essentially, um, yeah, you, you have to trust that contractor with that money up with that right. point, then they're working for their next project. In a lot of cases, what I do advocate is keeping a little back at the end, just until you've had an inspector or somebody else through that property manager or something like that been through the property and validated and hey it's all it's all done yeah, it's all yeah. done it's all done properly uh i generally advocate like i think we do a really good job our contractor walks through the sow and like checks things off but get a second set of eyes on it 
an unbiased set of eyes to go through before that final, just to, to make yeah. sure that everything is, everything is kosher, but holding money back from the contractor on the back end, it, what they've done their work, like that's just not the, not the right approach. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was always something that, and I never understood from the beginning when that was always, I remember my first property, I was trying to close on, on stuff. I remember what I learned on bigger pockets was don't pay up front, pay when the work's done. I'm like, you're like I'm, I haven't. I'm never going to get contracted yeah. to work from me. That yeah, nobody does this, yeah. and I think it's fair to pay for the materials up there. in the house. Yeah, I mean, to your point, paying a little extra than like the hand for for the trust factor in general, yeah. uh, and the piece of mind that the work's getting um, is done. And speed, speed is another thing that you don't think about as a, a value add. But like these that have one guy on the job that's going through and doing it. It might take three, four times as long interest that entire time. You're you're waiting out issues in the market uh, where value might drop. Like, who knows? You are you run your comp based on today. You don't want to wait six months in the future when all those comps completely out of the market. Could be completed. Yeah. 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 Right. No. In a lot of cases, a lot of people got bailed out. If they started right. in 2019. Yeah, it just yeah, got it better. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I think a lot of people, me included, I had some projects that, that you know, I was working on 2022 that got delayed and that's not a good place to be. Like right. 2023 was a lot tougher of a market to sell things. There's speed, make sure that they have the manpower to cover it. Always, always really important. And then you're also going to pay a little bit more on the back end. If you're doing a flip and you're selling this on the back end, once that inspector goes to special report comes back, you're probably going to have to. There will probably, always be something. Probably, yeah. probably fix the things that are hidden. I don't know. Just have Paying a little extra on the front end is 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 work back end. Oh, I advocated that, but I'm surprised. Yeah, but not. Just. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. We got through there. We we've established. Hey, uh, set up your team. Pardon me. Set, set up your goals. What good enough is your team? Anything else you guys advocated? People are looking to get started here in 2024. Um, same thing I said in the beginning. Just like you said, like. If, have a criteria, admit your criteria, and you've set how much money, what, what your risk factor is, dive into a deal. Yeah. Um, the only way you're going to figure out figure out if this is for you, that's worth it, um, and to figure out the answer thing, actually do it, just reading and listening to podcasts and everything else. I learned way more just by diving into deals than I did ever. Don't get me wrong, I learned a ton me off, off the bench to do some stuff and actually have some knowledge some things but uh diving into a couple of deals is what really, really what i'm for even more in that first deal yeah that's what i say i just think just just go just go in on one um learn from it get better from it um but sitting on the sidelines and waiting for that home run deal it's i mean it's it cripples you it's it's it keeps you keeps you on the sidelines so awesome. yeah i would just Stop analyzing, um, overanalyzing. Yeah, exactly. Just and just find what that makes sense. Do it. Learn from it and get better. And you know what? The last thing that all people should do is calculate it. Uh, that that you're able to go through and figure out if the deal actually makes sense. Uh, you want something that's scalable, something that you can track over time. That prior one, Bigger Pockets has a good one. Uh, feel free if anybody wants to reach out to me. Uh, more than willing. I was going to say, share. I mean, you could, you should probably have some sort of maybe not like a one-on-one -on -one mentor, but you should have some, make some friends in this space mm -hmm. that have done it, 
run the deal by them. They can analyze it for you real quick and say, yeah, I mean, it makes, it makes sense because of X, Y, Z, because they have those calculators and everything yeah. to help you out. So everyone has different perspectives. Yeah. Would work. Yeah. Well, and definitely, I, I think that that's a key point there. Maybe that's the, the next member of the team is having that, that um, mentor willing to, to work with you because you want somebody who's unbiased. Exactly. Every person that we talk about in your team only makes money by a deal. Mm. Uh, having a mentor who's somebody who is just, hey, he's for you. but It doesn't affect them. Well, whether or not you purchase doesn't affect them. Yeah. That's a really key person to like gut check you. Yeah. Because while an agent might be a fiduciary, they're always going to have in the back of their mind that paycheck, that 3% when you buy that property. And it's impossible to not be wise contractors with all of these people only make money and purchase i think it's a really good point yeah perfect well uh i'll just speak for myself necessarily help you in markets outside of indianapolis but if anybody needs help building a team here in indianapolis and bloomington kokomo and the, the kind of surrounding market they can reach out to me at nick at offleashinvestments.com they can reach out to you guys as well brooks at brbuysmd.com or um brbuysmd Instagram is a good way to reach out to us as well. You can see all of our deals. Yeah, my email is uh, randy at brbuysindy.com. And yeah, I mean, I'm open to talking to anyone about um, the indie market, looking for their first property, uh, looking at any deals, deal analysis, things like that. I'm an open book, so pretty fun. Yeah, well, we'll be sure to point you in the right direction if we don't have the answer. I've got a couple of connections in Maryland, um, as well as Florida, a couple of markets like Kentucky, stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, for, for the most part, the three of us were here. So, it doesn't.